Hello friends. How are you? How was your exam? UPSC prelims. Hope it was good. So from today onwards we are going to see every topic mains point of view. So from today I am going to start paper 4th GS ethics. Actually it's a book written by Simon Blackburn. Ethics a very short introduction Oxford publication. You just listen to this book and uh, whatever information you think is useful for a value addition in your mains exam, you can make notes from it. Okay, because I'm going to read the whole book. So let's start. Part 1 7 Threads to Ethics. This section looks at ideas that destabilize us when we think about standards of choice and conduct. In various ways, they seem to suggest that ethics is somehow impossible. They are important because they themselves can sleep can seep into the moral environment. When they do, they can change what we expect from each other and ourselves, usually for the worse. Under their influence, when we look at the big words, justice, equality, freedom, rights, we see only bids for power and clashes of power, or we see only hypocrisy, or we see only our own opinions, unworthy to be foisted onto others. Cynicism and self-consciousness paralyze us. In what follows, we consider seven such threats. First, the death of God. For many people, ethics is not only tied up with religion, but is completely settled by it. Such people do not need to think too much about ethics because there is an authoritative code of instructions or handbook of how to live. It is the word of heaven or the will of uh, being greater than ourselves. The standards of living become known to us by revelation of this being. Either we take ourselves to perceive the fountainhead directly or more often we have the benefit of an intermediary, a priest or a prophet or a text or a tradition sufficiently in touch with the divine will to be able to communicate it to us. Then we know then we know what to do. Obedience to divine will be meritorious and brings reward. Disobedience is lethally punished. In the Christian version, obedience brings triumph or death or everlasting life. 
Disobedience means eternal hell. In the 19th century in the West, when traditional religious belief began to lose its grip, many thinkers felt that ethics went with it. It is not to the purpose here to assess whether such belief should have lost its grip. Our question is the implication for our standards of behavior. Is it true that as Dostoevsky said, if God is dead, everything is permitted? It might seem to be true without a lawgiver. How can there be a law? Before thinking about this more directly, we might take a diversion through some of the shortcomings in traditional religious instruction. Anyone reading the Bible might be troubled by some of its precepts. The Old Testament God is partial to some people above others and above all jealous of his own preeminence, a strange moral obsession. He seems to have no problem with the slave-owning society, believes that birth control is a capital crime is a keen on child abuse and for good measure approves of food abuse. Indeed, there is a letter going around the internet purporting to be written to Dr. Laura, a fundamentalist agony aunt. Dear Dr. Laura, thank you for doing so much to educate people regarding God's law. I have learned a great deal from you. And I try to share that knowledge with as many people as I can. When someone tries to defend the homosexual lifestyle, for example, I simply remind him that Leviticus 18 as to 22 clearly states it to be an abomination aid of debate. I do need some advice from you, however, regarding some of the specific laws and how to best follow them. A. When I burn a bull on the altar as a sacrifice, I know it creates a pleasing odor for the Lord. The problem is my neighbors. They claim the odor is not pleasing to them. How should I deal with this? B. I would like to sell my daughter into slavery as it suggests in Exodus 21 as to 7. In this day and age, what do you think would be a fair price for her? See, I know that I am allowed no contact with the women while she is in her period of menstrual uncleanliness. The problem is, how do I tell? I have tried asking, but most women take offense. D. Leviticus 25 as to 44 states that, I may buy slaves from the nations that are around us. A friend of mine claims that this applies to Mexicans but not Canadians. Are you clarifying? E. I have a neighbor who insists on working on the Sabbath. Exodus 35 as to 2 clearly states he should be put to, de put to death. Am I morally obliged to kill him himself? Uh, sorry, kill uh, to kill him myself? F. A friend of mine feels that even though eating shellfish is an abomination, 
it is a lesser abomination than homosexuality i don't agree can you settle this g i may not approach the altar of god if i have a defect in my sight i have to ad- admit that i wear reading glasses does my vision have to be 20 by 20 or is there some wiggle room here i know you have studied these things extensively so i am confident you can help thank you again for reminding us that god's word word is eternal and unchanging things are usually supposed to get better in the new testament with its admirable emphasis on love forgiveness and meekness yet the overall story of atonement and redemption is morally dubious suggesting as it does suggesting as it does that justice can be satisfied by the sacrifice of an innocent for the sins of the guilty the doctrine of the scapegoat then the person of jesus in the gospels gospels has a, his a fair share of moral quirks he can be sectarian go not into the way of gent- gentiles uh, and into any city of the samaritans enter ye not but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of israel in a similar vein he refuses help to the non jewish women from from canon with the chilling racist remark it is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs he wants us to to be gentle meek and mild but he himself is far from it ye serpents ye generation of vipers how can you ye escape the uh, damnation of hell the episode of the uh, gadarin swan shows him to share the then popular belief that mental illness is caused by possession by devils it also shows that animal lives also anybody else property rights in pigs have no value the events of the fig tree in bethany would make any environmentalist hair stand on end finally there are scenes of omission as well as scenes of commissions so we might wonder as well why he is not shown explicitly countermanding some of the rough bits of the old testament Exodus 22 as to 18 Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live helped to burn alive alive tens or hundreds of thousands of women in Europe and America between around 1450 and 1780 it it would have been helpful to suffering humanity one might think it had a supremely good and caring and knowledgeable person forcing this revoked the injunction all in all then the bible can be read as a 
as giving us a carte blanche for harsh attitudes to children the mentally handicapped animals the environment the divorced unbelievers people with various sexual habits and elderly women it encourages harsh attitudes to ourselves as uh, fallen creatures endlessly polluted by sin and hatred of ourselves inevitably brings hatred of others the philosopher who mounted the most famous and sustained attack against the moral climatic fostered by christianity was a frederick nietzsche or uh, and his period is um, 1844 to 1900 here he is in full flow under christianity the instinct of the subjugated and the oppressed come to the fore it is only those who are at the bottom who seek their sol- salvation in it here the prevailing pastime the favorite remedy for boredom is the discussion of sin self criticism the inequ- the inquisition of conscience here the emotion produced by power called god is pumped up by prayer here the highest good is regarded as unattainable as a gift as a grace here too open dealing is lacking concealment and the darkened room are christian here body is despised and hygiene is denounced as sensual the church even ranges itself against cleanliness the first christian order after the banishment of the moors closed the public paths of which there were 270 in cadova alone Christian too is a certain cruelty toward oneself and toward others hatred of unbelievers the will to prescribe and Christian is all hatred of the intellect of pra- of pride of courage of freedom of intellectual uh, libertine libertinage Christian is all hatred of the senses of joy in the senses of joy in general obviously there have been and will be apologists who want to defend or explain away the embarrassing elements similarly apologists for hinduism defend or explain away its involvement in the caste system and apologists for islam defend or explain away its harsh penal code or its attitude to women and infidels what is interesting however is that when we weigh up these attempts we are ourselves in the process of assessing moral standards we are able to stand back from any text however entrenched far enough to ask whether it represents an admirable or acceptable morality or whether we ought to accept some bits but reject others so again the question arises where do these standards come from they have the authority to 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 judge even our best religious traditions the classic challenge to the idea that ethics can have a religious foundation is provided by plato 
and his period is 429 to 347 BC in the dialogue known as the Euthyphro. In this dialogue, Socrates, who is on the point of being tried for impiety, encounters one Euthyphro who, who sets himself up as knowing exactly what pity or justice is indeed so sure is he that he is on the point of prosecuting his own father for causing a death so Euthyphro Euthyphro says yes I should say that what all the gods love is pious and holy and the opposite which they all hate impious socrates ought we to inquire into the truth of this euthyphro or simply to accept the mere statement on our own authority and that of others what do you see euthyphro he says we should inquire and i believe that the statement will stand the test of inquiry socrates socrates says we shall know better my good friend in a little while the point which i should first wish to understand is whether the pious or holy is beloved by the gods because it is holy or holy because it is beloved of the gods once he has posed this question socrates has no trouble coming down on one side of it socrates says and what do you say of pity euthyphro is not pity according to your definition loved by all the gods Euthyphro, yes, Socrates says, because it is pious or holy or for some other reason. Euthyphro, no, that is the reason, Socrates. It is loud because it is holy, not holy because it is loud. Euthyphro, yes, Socrates, and that which is dear to the gods is loved by them and is in a state to be loved of them because it is loved of he loved of them Yetifro. certainly socrates then that which is dear to the gods Yetifro, is not holy nor is that which is holy loved of god as you affirm but they are two different things Socrates, I mean, to, I mean to say that the holy has been acknowledged by us to be loved of God because it is holy, not to be holy because it is loved. The point is that God or the gods are not to be thought of as arbitrary. They have to be regarded as selecting the right things to allow and to forbid. They have to latch onto what is holy or just exactly as we do. 
that is not given that uh, they do this simply because they are powerful or created every uh, everything or have horrendous punishments and delicious rewards in their gifts that doesn't make them good furthermore to obey their commandments just because of their power would be servile and and self-interested suppose for instance i am minded to do something bad such as to betray someone's trust it is not good enough if i think well let me see the gains are such and such but how i have to factor in the chance of god hitting me hard if i do it on the other hand god is forgiving sorry god is forgiving and uh, there is a good chance i can fob him off by confession or by a deathbed repentance later these are not the thoughts of a good character the good character is supposed to think it would be a betrayal so i won't do it that's the end of the story to go in for a religious cost benefit analysis is in a phrase made famous by the contemporary moral philosopher bernard williams to have one thought to many the the detour uh, to to an external god then seems worse than irrelevant it seems to distort the very idea of a standard of conduct as the moral philosopher immanuel kant and his period is uh, 724 to 1824 put it it encourages us to act in accordance with the rule but only because of fear of punishment or some other incentive whereas what we really want is for people to act out uh, to Uh, for people to act out of uh, respect for a rule this is what true virtue requires uh, we might wonder whether only a vulgarized religion should be condemned so strongly the question then becomes what other kind is there a more adequate conception of god should certainly stop him from being a vindicative Uh, sorry uh, a vindictive old man in the sky something more abstract perhaps but in that mystical direction uh, lies god who stands long way away from human beings and also from human good or bad uh, as as the greek stoic epicurus put it or uh, epicurus period is a uh, 341 to 271 bc the blessed and immortal nature knows no trouble itself nor uh, nor causes trouble to any other so that it is never constrained by anger or favor for all such things exist only in the weak a really blessed and immoral nature is simply to grant to be bothered by the doings of tiny human beings it would be unfitting for it to be worked up or whether human beings eat shellfish or or have sex one way or another the alternative suggested by plato's dialogue is that religion gives a mythical uh, clothing and mythical authority to a morality that is just there to begin with myth in this sense 
is not to be despised. It gives us symbolism and examples that engage our imaginations. It is the depository for humanity's endless attempts to struggle with the death, desire, happiness and good and evil. When an exile reminisces, she will remember the songs and poems and folk tales of the homeland rather than its laws or its constitution. If the songs no longer speaks to her, she is on the way to forgetting. Similarly, we may fear that when religion no longer speaks to us, we may be on our way to forgetting some important part of history and human experience. This may be a moral change for better or worse. In this analysis, religion is not the foundation of ethics but its showcase or its symbolic expression. In other words, we drape our own standards with the stories of divine origin as a way, as a way of asserting their authority. We do not just have a standard of conduct that forbids, say, murder, but we have mythological, historical uh, examples in which God expressed his displeasure at cases of murder, unhappily myth and religion stand at the service of bad morals as well. Uh, we read back uh, what, what, uh, what, what, what we put in, magnified and validated. We do not just fear uh, science or want to take other people's land, but we have examples in which God punishes the desire for the desire for knowledge or commands us to occupy the territory we have god's authority for dominating nature or for regarding them others different from ourselves as inferior or even criminal in other words we have the full dis, uh, depressing spectacle of people not only wanting to do something but projecting upon their gods the, con the, the commands making it a right or a duty to do it. Religion on this account is not the source of standards of behavior but a projection of them made up precisely in order to dress them up with an absolute authority. Religion serves to keep us apart from them and no doubt it has other social and psychological functions as well. It can certainly be the means whereby unjust political authority keeps its subjects uh, docile, the opium of the people as Marx put it. The words of the human God made the rich man in his castle and the poor man at his gate help to keep the lower orders resigned to their fates. If uh, all this is right, then the death of God is far from being a threat to ethics. It is a necessary clearing of the ground on the way to revealing ethics for what is really is. Uh, for, for what it really is, perhaps, there cannot be laws without a lawgiver, but Plato tells us that the ethical laws cannot be the arbitrary whims of of personalized gods may be instead we can make our own laws so we stop here and rest of the part we'll see in next lecture thank you